Welcome to Mums, Work and Chaos with me, Louise. They say it takes a village to raise a child, so let me help you build yours. During this journey, I'll be learning about everything from neurodiversity in children's literature through to body image post-pregnancy. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to season four of Mums Work in Chaos. I can't quite believe that we're here. We're not even a year old yet. We're on season four. Um, but I am really excited this week to be joined by the wonderful Hannah Love, otherwise known as Sleep Well with Hannah on Instagram. Um, she is a sleep expert, but a holistic one. Uh, she has incredible knowledge from years of working with children and, and being trained in, in children. Um, but I will let Hannah introduce herself. Um, Hannah, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so I, I am, that's what I do now, is mainly help parents with sleep. Um, but my background is actually in paediatric nursing. So I qualified from King's College University in London in 2000 um, as a children's nurse. And I went, mainly worked in accident emergency setting as a nurse. Um, I then went on to do study three years nutritional therapy um, after I'd qualified and two years craniosacral therapy as well. And then I spent my 20s, I got, got an amazing job for professional golfers and ended up spending around seven years training traveling first class private jet to wow. all different corners of the world as a nanny for all different professional golfers which was amazing and it was actually then that I started helping babies with sleep obviously all of the babies that were in my care and toddlers that were in my care needed to sleep well and they needed to sleep wherever we were in the world and um and I couldn't do any kind of controlled crying because a lot of the time we were in hotel rooms dad was in the next room with a million pound round of golf the next day and I couldn't be leaving the baby to cry <laughs> out so I formulated my own gentle techniques to help these babies sleep well um they all all of the toddlers all as, as young as kind of 18 months had to have boundaries they were on the golf course with dad and they couldn't just go running onto the golf course when he was in the middle of of playing so again I formulated gentle and kind and responsive techniques to help these babies eat feed and sleep well and kind of naturally um kind of built that up I then when I got my feet firmly on the ground in the UK I got a job as the principal paediatric nutritional therapist at the National Nutrition Clinic in London and it was there that I started meeting parents with lots of different feeding issues um fussy eating um food refusal um nocturnal feeding failure to thrive all of these kind of things and Every single one of those children, especially the younger ones, had some kind of sleeping element to their feeding issues. And that's where we put the sleeping and feeding together. And I soon became quite a sought after um, sleep expert. I didn't I didn't plan to do that. It was just something <laughs> because everybody that was coming to me for other issues, for first aid training, for weaning co consultations, for feeding issues. They were like, oh, my God, you've been a nanny. Can I talk about sleep? <laughs> and, and back then, this is back in around 2005, there really wasn't any sleep experts out there. You Googled and I did Google wow about 2007 sleep experts and there wasn't anybody doing it there was super nanny that was about as far close as you came to sleep experts but really on the internet or anything there wasn't and and this and it was really underrepresented and you could get help from your health visitor if you're really struggling but really that was a worksheet on controlled crying that was about as far as it went um and these moms were desperate and I offered them a, a gentle solution to their baby's sleep and for the next 15 years, I had my first baby in 2008, Oliver, who's now 15, coming up 16. 
and um and all through having my other two babies in 2012 2015 I built up a one-to-one business I didn't really ever advertise and I got to the point where I couldn't take on any more clients and um and it all just grew organically it really wasn't something that I started out to do but it was something that I found that I did well and people really needed so it just organically grew (laughs) it's really it's such a it's such a difficult thing like you go from you know as a new parent you go from being able to sleep whenever you want well I say that prior to being (laughs) pregnant you go go from being able to sleep whenever you want (laughs) um to to then this you know land of sleep deprivation and I think you know it's very obvious why it's used as a torture technique (laughs) because it's it's incredibly difficult to navigate your way through a work day when you've had like four or five hours sleep on the reg and I mean I know this still applies to me so I also have three children um but mine are um seven nearly eight three nearly four and one's just turned two and the two-year-old and the three-year-old share a bedroom the two-year-old's just moved into her big girl bed um and uh it's just like a permanent sleepover in that room at the moment and so struggling to get them to sleep even with staggered sleep starts which is you know fun anyway um (laughs) and then um and then yeah just nattering away to each other having a nice old jolly time running around their bedroom and I end up having to play sentry duty and telling them to go back to bed um and then next thing you know I've got like barely any evening to do anything (laughs) um or or the uh or the youngest is up in the night and it's it's fun I know I know the reasons why I know I know part of the problem is is that they're sharing a bedroom I also know part of the problem is that they have they have tea at nursery um, and then uh, get hungry just before bed. And so I'm trying to work out, you know, is it they won't eat their dinner? Is there any point in me feeding them dinner? Um, And should I just feed them like a snack before bed and encourage them to eat a bit later before I put them to sleep? And I know food is like 90 percent of the problem. Um, But it's 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 that funny state, isn't it, where you're. You, you think that I think a lot of these cry out sleep therapists online make you believe that sleep is sleep and everything else has nothing to do with it. And that's really not the not it at all. Like, you know, the danger nap truly exists and <laughs> and and food is such an important, important thing as, as well as routine. But it's 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 just a tricky landscape to navigate on your own isn't it i mean this absolutely. is absolutely and there's so many factors with sleep i mean you just mentioned a number of them there with kind of eating and feeding and routine and mm-hmm. and a very very typical scenario that a lot of parents have that have got children in childcare that are having an early tea they have their kind of whatever it is their sandwich or their beans on toast or cracker breads yeah. and cheese or whatever around four. <laughs> four comes up. and then and then it's like they're not hungry enough for their tea when they get in but actually they need something before bed and i normally advise something like avocado or some scrambled egg on toast or mm-hmm. or cereal or some porridge or some with some banana and nut butter that kind of thing um closer to bedtime um with children that are having their meals at nursery that normally works quite well but you have to look at the whole picture and I think that's the issue that 
um, people that are trying to help parents with sleep aren't qualified in all areas. And, and that's even with the most basic of sleep issues, you have to look at when they're feeding, kind of the, maybe, maybe they've got some overnight feeds that you need to address, having a look at their general routine, making sure that you've got time in the daytime to practice their naps when they're not hungry, um, making sure they're tired around the times that they're not hungry. So you've got that even with the most basic. But then because of my background in nursing and nutrition, I also get a lot more complex cases where you've got a baby that's been struggling with reflux or colic or cow's milk protein allergy yeah and if you just ignore all of those things or you're not qualified to look at those things then then you're not going to be able to resolve the sleep issues and 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 unfortunately the way the nhs is set up and i've worked in there for many years is that if you've got a baby that um and these are the a typical scenario of a family that um, contacts me that's got a history of colic and they've then been diagnosed with reflux they've been put on reflux meds the parents have got used to sleeping with them upright they've been told to feed them little and often in order to help with the help with the reflux and suddenly you've got this nine month old that's only sleeps upright on you they're feeding five or ten times a night they're not weaning well in the daytime they're not taking any solids on board they're not sleeping and they're seeing all different people for different things so they're seeing a sleep specialist that isn't qualified in anything else that's just looking at sleep they're seeing a dietitian that's only looking at diet they're seeing a pediatrician that's only looking at the medicine and nobody's looking at the whole baby yeah. and that's where so I can look at the whole baby I can kind of have a look and say right okay in order to get the baby eating well then we need to reduce these nighttime feeds in order to get them sleeping well we need to take milk away from when they want to be lying down in order to get them weaning well we need to be doing this and and, and have a look at the whole picture which is why it works yeah I mean like you know every child is different and that's insanely true like there's only 19 months between my middle and my youngest and they have such different sleeping patterns and, and and different issues when it comes to sleep as well. Like my eldest was um was uh, exclusively breastfed. She wouldn't take a bottle. God knows I tried. I even imported a bottle that looked like a boob from New Zealand and she still wouldn't take the bottle. Um, <laughs> she wouldn't take dummies either. You put them in, they'd be halfway across the living room before you knew it because she could spit them out at, her, at a, an incredible rate um my middle one um so she had posterior tongue tie my middle one had posterior tongue tie or still has you know because it was never as properly resolved um but that stopped her uh breastfeeding properly and so feeding was hurt like her um she wouldn't drain the boob properly so that, that meant I got um uh, you know I'd have to pump because otherwise I'd get engorged and it hurt. Um, and also she'd take breaths while feeding. Colic. So um, I even had several people tell me that breastfed babies don't get colic. That's a lie. Um, and then and then the youngest also has posterior tongue tie, also never dealt with properly. Um, however, she took to a bottle really easily. I still fed her for the first six months. Um, and but then she moved over to a bottle she took dummies she even gave the dummies up really easily um she has been my best sleeper um you literally <laughs> put her down in her cot with a bottle saying night night see you in the morning she was gone um but then she'd still wake up about two three o'clock in the morning wanting a top up on her bottle and so um between her uh, the middle one who wakes up in the middle of the night needing a wee um, and my eldest who just sleeps through and is amazing now, but she was the worst sleeper as a baby. Um, 
yeah, there's still ups and downs in the night for me, um, which is fun. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, we we get there and, and we're moving, but it's, I wish I'd have had that help with my first one. Um, because, you know, we got to that stage where we moved her from our room to her cot. And then especially when she turned one years old and I had to get her off the boob because I started working again. It meant having to physically rock her to sleep. Um, and that that was really difficult. I couldn't just put her down and 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 she'd self-soothe. I'd have to rock her to sleep, which again meant getting up in the night to sort her out when she'd start when she stirred and everything as well. Um, but it's like, you know, I really honestly wish I'd have had that help, you know. Well, I think, I think that's the issue. I think that um, all too often when parents are in a situation where they have to feed to sleep or they have to rock to sleep or the baby's relying on milk, breast or bottle to go to sleep or rocking, the parents are told that the only solution is either continue with what you're doing and 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 that you've got the the kind of more gentle parenting camp who are saying co-sleeping's fine and feeding to sleep and all of this. And yeah, absolutely. I'm not here to tell parents what they should or shouldn't do as a parent. And that works perfectly for so many people. But for a lot for a lot of people, you either come to the point where it doesn't work anymore. You've gone back to work. You want your bed back. You want your husband back in your bed. You don't want to have to wake up 10 times a night to feed your baby back to sleep. Or it's just physically not working for you because you're so exhausted you can't continue. And then people either think that they either have to continue in that situation or they've got to put their baby in their cot and leave them to cry out. And 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 neither of those extremes are, uh, are feasible a lot of the time. Parents are like, I can't go from one extreme to the other. But what parents don't realise is there is a happy medium. And that's what I've offered. And that's what I've found found 20 odd years ago, that 25 years ago, that you can teach a baby to sleep well in a kind and gentle way you don't have to go going from feeding your baby and rocking them to leaving a baby in a cot and crying it out is like going from the fourth floor of a house to the bottom by jumping out the window <laughs> it's going to be painful and and it's going to be much harder for everybody involved whereas if you take step the stairs and go down and do little steps in order to reach that aim yeah it's going to take a little bit longer but it's going to be much more kinder on everyone so with my program I just do little steps so at each step you're doing a little bit more less to help your baby and they're doing a little bit more to help themselves so there's no jumping from where you are now to cot settling there's not even jumping from feeding to putting them in the cot and, and helping them in the cot like any kind of shush pat you're just doing really gentle steps in order to reach that aim and that means that it's much more manageable for parents that are doing it and it means that it works so that parents can continue they feel comfortable doing it yeah we we co-slept um with my eldest until she was about a year because she was breastfed and she'd wake up in the night and it was just easier but um, we tried sleep training with her when we weaned her off the breast. And oh, I cried. I couldn't do it. My heart broke. And although I'm a rational human being, I, I, could, I, I just couldn't reconcile my child crying. And I just felt that it was a traumatic experience for both of us. And I just thought, no, can't do it. Even my husband, who's quite like, <laughs> you know, say it as you see it, was like, no, we can't do this. We can't, we can't do <laughs> it. Like, she's crying too much. No. Um, 
but it, it it was it was too hard for all of us and i just i just couldn't do it so we didn't we we did it much more gently um, unfortunately we had to rock her to sleep but that was just the way we reconciled it we were just like no this is the best way for us even though it's painful we'll get there in the end and we did and when she was even when she was about three she most nights she'd sleep in her own bed but sometimes she'd climb in with us which was fine but when I was pregnant with my middle one I said to her look you're a big girl now there's not enough room in the bed for all of us because there's baby two now bump gets in the way so um we're gonna have to you're gonna have to stay in your bed now I'm happy to sit here and hold your hand until we go to sleep but we're we're staying in our bed and she was like okay and then when um when Indy a couple of weeks before Indy arrived I explained to her that we had to stop holding hands now because like it, it um uh, soon baby would be here and it'd be too much to have baby and hold hand it was it was going to be yeah. too difficult and she was fine with that especially with older children what you've done there is exactly what i would advise is you've been firm you've told them the next steps you've prepared them for it and then when you've done it you've been consistent with that change and that's all that little ones need in order to adapt which yeah. is amazing yeah i mean like we try and communicate quite you know quite a lot in our house like my my oldest has just been diagnosed with ADHD as well so she likes to know the next steps <laughs> so even when we're getting ready in the morning she has her like routine of things to do um but she if we're going out somewhere she likes to know like okay we're, we're, we're gonna get in the car and then we're gonna go here yeah are we doing anything else after or are we just going home no we are we're going to do something after but and so like I've, but that's just the way we've always communicated I never saw it as a she has ADHD this is how we're doing it we've just always done it that way um and I just think that sort of like clear communication really helped um and then when um when we put so we put my youngest is called Hannah when we put Hannah in her new bed um which was Indy's old bed we built India canopy uh bed so she's high up she thinks it's a funk bed and she's having a great time um Indy was actually not jealous of giving her bed to Hannah at all she was really pleased to give it to her because she saw it as like giving a present you know yeah um yeah. and and so that was really lovely so Indy's not been jealous of of Hannah having her bed she's got a brand new bed as far as she's concerned even though it was us the old one <laughs> um, but she but she Indy's actually settled into her new bed so well and she's not woken up in the last two weeks since she's been in this brand new Lovely. big high up bed. Um, and Hannah loves her new bed, but she still, you know, um, gets a little bit agitated in the night. And I don't know whether that's because she's like done a wee or whether, you know, it's just woken her up or whether she's, um, you know, still hungry. But she she's sometimes the best when it comes to eating dinner after nursery and sometimes the worst um and uh you know we we try and get updates when we pick them up you know did they eat much were they okay kind of thing but it's sometimes so difficult when you're running out the door to know um and we sort of have the policy in our house that you you eat until you're full um yeah because we've tried the whole timers and all sorts of my eldest because she's the worst eater and the fussiest as well 
Um, and so instead of like putting more pressure on her to eat, we took that pressure away and we just said, right, you eat until you're full. And yeah. if you disappear yeah. while you're eating, the food gets cleared away. And, um, and you know, we just assume that you've you've eaten as much as you yeah. want. If you come to me in 10 minutes and you're still hungry, you've clearly not, fin- you've clearly not finished your dinner. And they're yeah. like, right, okay. <laughs> um, so, um, but I think sometimes they feel that eating till we're full means we get dessert, <laughs> <laughs> which is really what they're angling for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but you know, we we just we tried it all. We've tried all the all the timers, all the pressurizedness, and and it just made dinner time so much worse. And so, you know, by implementing the uh, eat until you're full, if you come to me later and you're still hungry, that's on you, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. They're they're a bit more receptive to it. And well, they- my youngest is a bit like that. It's a proper snacker, and I just say, look, you don't have to finish your dinner, but I'll put it on the side. And if you come and ask me in half an hour, then you've got your dinner back. You're not getting anything yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> That's right. they, no pressure. They, yeah, they know that dinner's the only option in yeah. house. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be in the snack cupboard asking for a cereal bar with a bag of crisps five minutes after dinner. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god, we had to move all the snacks up because my my youngest. Um, got really um got really into monster munch and that was all she wanted Who isn't into monster munch so funny watching like this one-year-old running around with you know pickled onion monster munch. <laughs> and like and she was proper proper crafty with how she did it as well she'd open the cupboard she'd get them out and then she'd go to her big sister and ask her to open the packet for her so that I wouldn't know and next thing you know I'm like look down and there's Hannah sitting there eating a packet of monster munch I'm like oh my god no one's gonna want their dinner Um, but yeah it's just fun isn't it um I have had a question through from one of my listeners who's really struggling um at the moment and I wondered if we might um be able to yeah of course yeah go away go ahead um so her baby's eight months old, and this sounds like yep. a really similar situation to me and my eldest. Eight months old, exclusively breastfed, but is on solids now and eats three meals a day. Um, really won't take a bottle or a dummy and will only be fed or rocked to sleep. Um, yep. He can't self-soothe or link sleep cycles, so wakes every one, two or three hours through the night and needs to feed or be picked up to go back to into a deep sleep. Um, he's currently co-sleeping with us and feeding four to six times through the night. We need to move away from this. <laughs> How do we teach him to settle in his cot and self-soothe to link cycles without doing the hardcore sleep training? one of the most common situations that i get uh, get um, um, contacted with one of the most common ages parents are looking to go back to work at 10 12 months and they think oh my god i'm not going to be able to physically do this when i go back to work feeding to sleep is extremely convenient when your baby's little but obviously as they get older and you expect to be up five times a night even for a small baby when they're needing to feed through the night as babies get older the amount of food that they have amount of milk that they have overnight should reduce so if your baby was having one or two night feeds at three months 
months old and they're having five or six night feeds at seven or eight months old, then you know that they don't need those night feeds. These are feeds yeah. that they're having because they're waking up, they want the comfort, they need it to go back to sleep. And they don't need to be having them. There are some babies that are struggling with weight gain that still need feeds up until a year, even 18 months old. And that's yeah. absolutely fine. But not six feeds in, in, in the night. And and But what you can't do, which is what some health visitors and, and non-trained sleep specialists advise, is like, right, they're eight months old. They don't need those night feeds. Just cut them down. Just go down to one feed. Because... Babies are so very good at maintaining their calorie intake. They need know what they need in 24 hours. That's why when you get your baby's book and you plot their weight, unless there's something wrong, they pretty much follow that curve. And if you think, I don't know any adult that could follow a perfect curve with their weight just like that, but babies yeah. do. Um, and so if they are taking... 400 mils of milk, for example, overnight, obviously with a breastfed baby, you don't know, but in bottle fed, it's more obvious to see, then they will be taking their 400 less calories or whatever it is that they're taking in the daytime. So normally, typically what you'll find in a baby that's feeding more overnight is they'll be more distracted on daytime feeds. They'll be more distracted when they're feeding. They won't be taking as many calories from food. They might be more picky with the foods that they're having in the daytime. They'll be more fussy with foods. Maybe they only like their sweet purees or they only like their particular foods in the daytime. And so you can't just say, right, let's eliminate these nighttime feeds because they will be hungry. And then that's when you get this massive crying and the kind of like the really, the really bad protest in the night. What I always advise doing is starting with the daytime. So what we need to do first is we need to have a look at the daytimes, how baby's settling for naps and daytime. We need to teach them another way to go to sleep, to take away so that you've got a tool in your belt overnight. It does sound like this family can do a rocking or a holding to go to sleep in the night. Mm. Only once we've got the daytimes looked at, we also want, I would also advise on calories in the daytime, advise on foods that are going to give lots of calories in a very small portion, because this baby is taking their calories in assuming around 12 breastfeeds in a day and three meals. So that's 15 times in a day this baby's having little and yeah. often little calories so what they're not going to be able to do is take on a whole big bowl of vegetables and chicken in order to compensate for those calories so things like avocado and egg yolk dairy coconut cream nut butters things like that they, they only need a small teaspoon of to get the same calories as a big bowl of fruit for example yeah. And then we can then slowly start to reduce down the nighttime feeds using another technique, cuddling, rocking, co-sleeping in order to do them. And only once you've got the nighttime feeds eliminated, then you can go through the sleep training. So you can see there's kind of little stages that you're doing at each time to reach it, the end goal. Um, I'm actually starting my every January. I do a big free sleep workshop for families um and that's exactly what i'm going to be going through there are so that everybody's in there it's I've got 2500 people registered um wow. this time and um the communities are open and um and everybody's introducing themselves and and everyone's like oh my god this is me i could have written this and everyone's got the same issues and yeah. it's the same single time it was i thought i was the only person and that's why the internet is fantastic people are much more comfortable about sharing about talking about it about um which is so different to when I started I said earlier there wasn't really any sleep specialist around and the difference was back in 2008 is when I helped parents they would do a testimonial for me but they're like can I change my name please because mm -hmm. they felt almost ashamed of like needing help because there wasn't really people out there saying openly I can't do this whereas now it's fantastic because everyone's like right I'm struggling where do I go for help which is a bit of a double-edged sword because it's great that people are 
talking about it like we are now but also it means that there's so much information out there that parents just get confused as to what to follow which is why I offer these free workshops so that I can show them a consistent approach because the try everything approach to sleep never works the try everything approach to anything doesn't work you mentioned earlier about um getting your baby to take a bottle and you said you tried all different types of bottles and you even imported one from um from New Zealand <laughs> and um, I do a bottle course a, a, I've got a course which basically teaches you how to get a baby from the breast onto a bottle it's only like 15 pounds but it basically teaches you through the steps and the biggest thing is consistently choose the same bottle at the same time of day with the same person with the same temperature milk at the same in the same and literally you do that exactly so <laughs> and it works and it's the same with it's the same with um sleep you need to choose one approach. I, as in, in the um, start of my sleep workshop, I always do a typical scenario and everybody's on there and they're like, my God, this is me. Yes, this is me. Yes, this is me. And I say, when parents decide to change their sleep situation, they fall into the try everything. So they think, right, I'm not going to feed my baby. And they first of all try a bit of bouncing, then they try a bit of rocking, and then they do a little bit of shush pat, and then they do a bit of pick up, put down. And none of these things work. So they end up putting the baby down, doing a little bit of try it out. Of course, that's not not going to work so they end up going back to feeding and that try everything approach doesn't work because your baby's right. never going to be able to learn no consistency when you're not consistent. yeah yeah there's no consistency yeah. and do you know what's really funny is that i um my actual day job is in marketing <laughs> and um, one of my specialisms is branding <laughs> and one of my key catchphrases is consistency is key and probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had my own advice right there and i didn't even use it. um but i think like when when i had my eldest um we tried we we tried giving her a bottle like a couple of times and i pumped loads um but i hadn't planned on going back to work until she was nine months and so we didn't really start trying it until just before i went back to work and uh, which was like the worst and then also my mum was helping look after her while I was at work but then it was me and my husband trying it and then we just hand her the stuff um which wasn't going to work because again that consistency of person and and the way we were doing it and trying it wasn't there the, se then, the second second rule of getting a baby to do anything is being relaxed about it and of course <laughs> you're you now in mild panic stage when you're about to go back to work aren't you <laughs> exactly uh, but then with my with my middle one, uh, she was born during lockdown. So we were we were all at home. Mum yeah. was in our bubble. She had consistency of people and consistency of place and consistency around the way we did stuff. And I think that really, that made so much difference when it came to like sleep and um and bottles. And also when she went into her room. Um, when we moved her out of our bedroom and into her cot at six months she was with her sister so again she wasn't on her own she had that consistency that there was still someone with her and so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, made, it does make such a difference and I think it's you're when you're a new parent and you're navigating sleeplessness and and you know but firstly listener I just want to say congratulations on breastfeeding for so long because yeah. like mate not all of us last that long I mean I did only because I had to because I couldn't see a way out um but 
some people don't even get the opportunity and and want to some people uh, you know it's not an option for them at all but like firstly well done for sticking with breastfeeding and doing so well with it clearly you're doing it you're doing great but equally I've been in this situation with you I know how you feel <laughs> and I know that you know I can uh, she's she has said that her, her husband's at you know working but he he works um flexible hours but she's looking to go back to work now as well um and that's part of her concern is that you know she needs this baby to sleep so that she can function oh, during the day um but like you know he's he's eight months old you're looking to go back to work you've got time it's yeah. just like you've got time to sort this out and that's great um and oh and she's finished here saying she has signed up to your free masterclass oh amazing so, yes. so you've done all the right things to to help <laughs> her um so amazing that you've signed up um and yeah but yeah it's it's just like that whole holistic approach you know sitting there and just saying sleep is sleep is not is not the way to do it you know like there's so many different things that go into it and and can uh, affect sleep and it's it's just insane like as I said you know three kids all completely different you're never gonna get that consistency from your own genes <laughs> okay, so I, I, the same with mine I mean they are just you couldn't get more three three more different children if you tried mm. like Oscar is the most laid back he slept through the night from when he was 10 weeks old he was on four hourly breastfeeds from birth he was like I thought oh my god I cracked this being a parent and like and then my other two came along Ella and Henry and Henry my youngest is like a Duracell bunny like he didn't sleep sleeping was for wimps like from the from the get-go he had cow's milk protein allergy had reflux he just wanted to be up running around and moving from when he was tiny even when he dropped all of his naps he only needed like nine and a half hours sleep a night he's ridiculous oh. but <laughs> Oliver was still napping when, when Oliver was still napping when he started school um because it was 27th of August so he started like two days after oh, his fourth wow. birthday and he was still napping that summer holiday so they are just so different but for the parents that have got a Henry that is not sleeping that's like a Duracell bunny that doesn't stop that is on the go that tells you exactly what they want I tell you what when they get older Oliver's now 15 and he is beautiful in his personality with being laid back but my god it's frustrating you have to tell him 10 times to do one thing he every single time he has home economics at school he forgets his ingredients and I have to run them into school whereas yeah. Henry you ask him to do one thing once and it's done oh. so there's advantages and disadvantages to both of those personalities it's crazy isn't it like sometimes I just think what sort of child would I have if I mixed all three together <laughs> although although my eldest has ADHD that's it it brings out such amazing things in her she's so creative she's so like detailed you know she can come up with these amazing storylines and plots and she writes books all the time she's just constantly writing and drawing and coloring um and that's where her hyper focus is at the moment is in that creative area, which is fantastic. And then Indy is like um, a gymnast meets a parkour specialist meets 
Tom Cruise doing a stunt for Mission Impossible. <laughs> and you're just like hiding sofa cushions so she can't lay out a gymnastics floor in the living yeah. room. <laughs> um, and then Hannah is at the moment is on one and is just destructo baby. Um, one of my first reels on my Instagram for Mum's Working Chaos was of her destroying my kitchen um, while holding a packet of Monster Munch, funnily enough. um but yeah um they're just insane and they're brilliant and they're wonderful in their own special ways and like Indy's such a risk taker whereas Asla considers everything and doesn't want to and that sometimes stops her from doing things and so sometimes I think just take a little bit from each of you (laughs) and see what it would build I think that would be amazing but um (laughs) Well, one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about today was obviously you've got your free masterclass, which is um, open at the moment. You've got your Facebook community open for that as well. Um, but also you have um, you have a book coming out as well, don't you? I do. Yeah, I, I honestly can't believe it. I mean, when I was at school, I was diagnosed with dyslexia. I wasn't a writer. I've never been somebody that is, writing comes naturally to. And, yeah. um, and everybody said, oh, you should write a book and I thought no no that's not for me and then um, and then I decided to go for it about 14 months ago I met um Abigail Horn who's um the um authors and co she's got a company called authors and co and basically she teaches you to go all the way through the steps to write a book and it's been fantastic I started in October not last year the year before and um, I'd written it by August last year and it is being published next month in February 2024 for those that are watching um, later on this year. Um, so if you're watching after February 2024, then it's um, then it's already out there. Um, I'm not allowed to give away the title um, oh, yet no. because I'm not yet out. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, uh, obviously, if you searched Hannah Love and Sleep Well with Hannah, then it would come up. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited. Um, um, it is all about baby sleep. Yeah. Uh, and it's basically, I, I've always formulated, it's basically a six-stage program to get from wherever parents are now to their baby sleeping well. And this is what I've done one-to-one for 15 years. It's what I've focused on in my course for the last three years. It's what I do on my sleep clubs. And it takes you all through the preparation. It takes you all through the nutrition, diet, all of those stages. Um, and then also the sleep training in that gradual approach that I was talking about. And then you've got two chapters at the end, which are all about moving forward, illness and teething, helping your baby with traveling, routines moving forward. So it really is a comprehensive guide for anybody and it's also can be a reference guide that you can look back for what happens when you've got regressions what if you've got split nights what if you've got um you're going on holiday you've got to get a baby sleeping elsewhere so it's got all of those things in it as well so yeah I'm really really excited for it to be released next month that's amazing because I think that's one of the things that we struggle with like we we haven't been abroad for a long time like since before you know just before lockdown but with my eldest we took her to um to Cyprus my husband's Turkish Cypriot so we took um her to Cyprus to meet all the family um and and see everyone over there and that was one thing that we really struggled with Uh, you know it's only a two-hour time difference but it made all the difference um because you know you've got that whole day of traveling haven't you so you've got up we got up really early for the flight um she slept on the flight um and then um and then trying to get her settled into a new room in the hotel and um and they didn't they put her in a bed rather than a travel cot with the side on and and 
you know she was still in a cot at that point and so it was all a lot um getting used to you know oh there's a big bed and I'm sleeping in it oh in this new room and it's hot here and we have air conditioning and, and all this sort of stuff um and then also like she she was napping for longer because she'd been in the pool the whole time um and it was just like oh my god how do we deal with this but um but that all that sort of advice is amazing because like you know that when you think about going on holiday, we don't think about having to retrain our child to actually sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well. The kind of fundamentals of the of the, my support and advice for parents, because I spent seven years traveling around the world with the golfers. And as a family, we, we go to three or four festivals a year. We go camping. Our kids went to their first festival. In fact, my son went to his first festival when he was three weeks old. Wow. Um, we just come back from a three week holiday in Vietnam over Christmas where the five of us flew out to Vietnam, which was wow. um, seven hours difference. And, and I, I think a lot of parents think that in order to have a baby sleeping well you need this strict routine they need to be in a darkened room they need to go in there at 1107 in the morning because this kind of Gina Ford type routines that is not what I'm about I'm about mm. teaching parents to teach their babies to sleep well so that they can then experience life that they don't need to put their life on hold that they can go to a festival if that's what you want to do you can go out for dinner you can go for coffee you don't need to say oh I can't go to that lunch because it's over baby's nap time have a baby that naps in the pram so these are all things that I yeah. teach in my book and on my classes so that of course if you're a family that wants to stay at home and you want to do those things but if you a lot of parents I think almost have um what's the word when they have a baby they almost have this kind of um they miss their previous life they think that everything has to change and I want to show parents that actually that isn't the case like I went back to work when my babies went, well actually I went back to work when I was on the way home from c-section having a c-section and got told off by Daryl answering there, calls. <laughs> um, and um, and I didn't have any maternity leave and as I said we took the kids to their first festival when Henry was three weeks old and the other two were two and five um and um and and you can do these things if that's what you want to do you don't have to miss your old life you can continue doing those things that you enjoy with a baby in tow and actually when you do that your children learn to enjoy the things that you love as well I've always loved festivals I went to my first festival when I was a, a few weeks old as well so I've always, <laughs> always done. Um, and so I was, I was like right you lot are going to enjoy festivals and they do they love them <laughs> well, we we when we had our first we we were very much of that mindset like this isn't going to impact us we're going to do what we want um and we used to take her out for dinner with us and we used to go yeah. to you know, like places like Miller and Carter and she used to sit in the high chair and she ate corn on the cob and she had a great old time and Definitely. they provided coloring and we just didn't give two hoots the fact that yeah. you know, we had a baby in this place but um and and she napped in the car and we yeah. just sort of like work out oh okay well if we're getting in the car at this time she's going to fall asleep she'll wake yeah. up at this time so she'll probably go to bed at that time but she still had the right amount of sleep yeah. and people would say to me like oh but car car sleep isn't real sleep oh what what do you mean car sleep isn't real sleep sleep is sleep you know yeah. <laughs> and so we'd we'd sort of just like do it you know we just we didn't see a problem in it but then when we had indie because we were in lockdown we couldn't go anywhere anyway and so like she she learned to sleep at home 
which was fine. But then equally now she still sleeps in the car and we time things and we're just like, okay, well, if she, like, if we know that she's tired from the night before and she's definitely going to have a nap in the car, we just yeah. know she's going to go to bed a bit later. But then yeah. we also know that she needs a certain amount to not be a psycho. And so yeah. that means like leaving the house slightly later the next day. It's like, yeah. You, just, you yeah. just work it out, don't you? And I just, I love that. Like, I, honestly, when people told me things like that, car sleep isn't real sleep, really bugged me. And sometimes we just like to go for a, a drive at night, you know, like it would be a time for a download. Um, Before kids, we used to, we both work full time. We both work different hours in different places that were actually quite far away. Um, And so we used to, we used to download our day in the car while <laughs> house hunting. <laughs> and so we get, we have, get home from work, have our tea. And then we search right move, find somewhere we liked. We were renting at the time and we go for a drive by and we just drive around and see like four or five houses. And then um, and so sometimes, you know, when the kids are a bit and don't want to go to sleep, we'll just be like, right, pajamas on, get in the car. We'll go for yep. a drive. We'll just go for a drive, download drive. Oh, OK, fine. Uh, all right. They all get in the car. They're all happy. And next thing you know, yeah out the road yeah <laughs> so yeah. you know and then we carry them in and they're in bed and it's fine but like I just oh I, I think it's so funny when people say stuff like that it just makes me giggle because I'm like no work for me <laughs> and it's and that's the thing though isn't it it's like these rigid approaches from other people make your parenting more rigid and sometimes that doesn't work for the parent or the family as a whole. And actually having a more holistic approach and looking at things and your routines and what you do as an adult human being <laughs> means that your, you know, your child's routine doesn't have to dictate your life because actually the routine is actually quite flexible All and can fit around the things want. you want to do. Yeah. All your children want is for, for to have a happy parent, yeah? yeah. And if doing if going out for dinner or going to a festival or going on holiday or having lunch out with your NCT group or going to a family birthday party that isn't going to finish until nine o'clock at night, if that makes you happy as a parent, then that's also going to make you have happy children. Yeah. It's not going to make you have happy children if you're tied to the house because you've got this rigid routine because somebody's told you that your baby has to nap in a cot in order to have proper sleep. It's not going to make you a happy person and and then you're not going to have a happy baby so the most important thing and, and lots of parents say oh when you you're being selfish and i've put posts up before on 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 instagram about about you and baby-led parenting and you need to be baby-led and all of this it's like actually no like your if your baby is going to be happy if you're if you're happy and also Growing up and as your children get older, and mine are older now, if you've always put the emphasis on this baby led and baby led, then what are you teaching your baby? You want your children to put themselves first. You want them to prioritise self-care. You want them to, to love themselves and to and to respect themselves enough to put themselves first. Yeah. And if 
all of the time in their lives they've seen you not prioritize yourself you be unhappy because you're not doing the things that you love you put in yourself second that's not teaching them a good role model is it so I really really do think it's so important for parents to think right this is what I want from life and yes I of course you embrace and love your children to the moon and back but it doesn't mean that you have to put your whole life on hold in order to have children it really doesn't amazing well as we know your free masterclass you can apply for that now um the facebook community for that is open now yeah, absolutely and and when once that's closed i have a facebook community um sleep well with hannah on facebook which has got nearly ten thousand people in it that i support people every day um obviously you can find me on um sleep well with hannah on instagram as well um and um yeah i run this free workshop three times a year january may and september um and in between that you can get my support on on my on my book soon and um and i've got my courses i've got lots of parenting courses i mentioned the breast to bottle but i've got potty training toddler behavior fussy eating um yeah lots of lots of parenting courses as well and one pregnant parents as well oh amazing and yeah. listeners if um you know if you're listening to this uh, as it comes out on friday um the website is live which yeah. is amazing so the mums working chaos website is brand That's new good. it's live um you'll find information on there about the latest episodes of the podcast the guests who have been on and also there is a resources section if you head to that resources section now you'll find a whole bunch of information um, about hannah and as soon as her book is launched we'll have a link to it there as well for you so you'll be able to just click that link and hopefully just be able to purchase it straight away so um do head over to the mum's working chaos website which is live now and um and head to the resources section um there is a link to hannah's masterclass so please do sign up for it there um and i look forward to hearing your feedback on this episode let us know what you think leave a review um and tell your friends thank you so much for having me on <laughs> thank you so much for joining me it's been great having you if you enjoyed this episode of Mum's Work and Chaos, please make sure to subscribe on whatever podcasting channel you're listening on at the moment. Or if you'd like to get involved, feel free to email me at mumsworkandchaos at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at mumsworkandchaos. See you then.